Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development, where we share original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We hope you join us often for practitioner-oriented content around all things related to leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page, and please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Christine Miles about why the number one problem facing businesses is listening and what we can do about it. Christine Miles, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Well, thanks for having me on, John. It's a pleasure to be with you. You're joining us from Cleveland. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. And today we're going to be talking about the number one problem facing businesses today. We're going to talk about listening and we're going to talk about what we can do about it uh, to listen better, uh, to listen more intently, and to really drive success in our organizations. As we get started, I wanted to share Christine's bio with everybody. For over 25 years, Christine Miles has been training individuals and organizations on how to listen in ways that transform how they connect, influence, solve, and succeed in every aspect of life. Through her company, Equipped, she teaches organizations how to harness emotional intelligence to improve business outcomes using the Listening Path, a proven system on listening to understand. The Listening Path empowers organizations to create cultures of empathy and understanding that drive performance and results. The Listening Path has been taught and implemented at Fortune 100 companies, universities, law firms, and privately held companies nationwide. Pleasure to have you. Anything else you would like to add by way of your background or personal context before we dive on in? Um, just that, I guess for me, the reason I, well, I started doing this work when I was five, <laughs> just because I learned to listen differently as a kid because of my my upbringing. But one of the reasons I do the work is that the only reason I've succeeded in anything in my life is because I've had the skill of listening differently because I learned it so young. And it's, it's also the reason that I've seen people struggle or even fail, businesses fail, leaders fail, because we're told to listen and not taught. So just with that preface, I think it's, it's just something that's not been attended to. And I love the fact that I get to help people pay attention to this so that they can very quickly move the needle. Yeah, thank you. And I, I do think people can move the needle pretty quickly. Uh, you know, I often talk with guests on this show about building foundations of trust. And I know no better way to start that process of building foundations of trust than just truly being with the person sitting in front of you and intently listening with no agenda, just mm -hmm. to understand. Uh, and as, as we do that and, and the other person seen, feels seen and heard, uh, they feel valued and it, it can build from there. Uh, and so 
what and what I also see too, like you said, I, I see it all the time. I see it in organizations. I mean, it's it's a common human problem, I suppose. Uh, perhaps it's it's we're battling human nature here, but uh, especially you know as leaders move up the ranks in organizations and they get further on in their career, it's just really easy to get isolated. You're kind of in a bubble. Um, you, you, not everyone, but a lot of leaders fall into the trap of drinking their own Kool-Aid and, and kind of believing, you know, that they have these special powers of discernment and, you know, abilities above and beyond the average person. And the truth is they don't, they're just at a different point in their career. Uh, they've had people around them that have helped them be successful. And now they're in a position of power and position, you know, uh, of authority. And that doesn't necessarily mean anything for their, their, you know, innate abilities. And if they don't, surround themselves with people who will push back and challenge their thinking and, and try to get them outside of their conventional uh, modes of thought, they're going to fall into the traps of just uh, regurgitating a, a bunch of, of ideas, thinking that they're brilliant when in fact, you know, they, they're not even workable a lot of times. Um, so intellectual humility, I think is an essential part of developing this, this skill of listening. And as we do that and we, you know, we don't, we 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 ignore or or get you know push off the tendency that leaders have sometimes to surround themselves with people who will kind of tell them what they like to hear uh then i think we can be in a position where we can actually as leaders leverage the capacity of our people because we're leaning on their expertise i as a leader can there's no possible way that i can have all of the knowledge and expertise needed to direct everyone on my team. That's just not the world we live in, in the knowledge economy. So I need to be comfortable having people push on me. I need to be, facilitate that. And I need to feel comfortable uh, empowering the expertise of my team. And that can only happen as I listen, as I build trust. Wow. You said so many important things there, <laughs> starting with the fact that uh, building trust means that you not only hear people, but you see them and that uh, you, you listen to understand, which is a different kind of listening. And and I think I think you're so right. And even when leaders want to be surrounded by people who push them, but push back and are open to that, uh, it's still difficult to listen the further along you get in your career because knowledge and experience is actually the enemy of listening. It's not the other way around. <laughs> the more we know, uh, the more we you know we we don't listen. Ironically, because we we well, experience a lot of things. Yeah, it's the irony, you know, the the more we know, the, the more we experience, the more we think we know, when the reality is, it's the old cliche, the more you learn, like, I, I feel like the more I learn, the more I realize I don't know, because mm -hmm. you you learn more questions to ask, and then you realize, oh, I have no clue. So, so right. it really, it really comes back to that intellectual humility. But that's a hard thing. And, and it's a and really people, hard thing. It's a really hard thing. People progress in their career. They've had successes. They're usually pretty smart. Um, you know, so it's really easy to fall into that trap. Well, let's just look at our relationships. That's that's the case too, right? The longer we're with somebody, the less we listen, ironically, because we think we already know who they are and know what they have to say. You're smiling big on that, Jonathan. So, so I've been married for 20 years. We just celebrated our 20th wedding oh, anniversary. Yeah, thank you. And, you know, my wife and I, have, we have a good relationship. But this, yeah, it's, you know, you can't just assume and take things for granted. You just have to, it's like continual effort 
And my wife and I have very different styles of communication. I am a talker. I think out loud. Mm-hmm. She's kind of a ruminator. Like she, she likes to take it in, mm-hmm. really process it and then come back later. And we both think we know the other person really well. And we do, I suppose we've been married for 20 years, but you know, my wife surprises me still daily and I hope I surprise her daily. And so the reality is I can't assume that I understand what's going on in her head, you know, and we have to have these conversations and we have to continually do it. And that's, you know, we may not work with the same people for 20 years, but the same principle applies, right? The same principle applies. And it's, it's just why there's so many enemies of listening, but, and knowledge and experience is a big one. It that's, it's so Think about a five-year-old. How curious are they when they're exploring the world and they're asking why, 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 why? Because they don't have the answers. So the more we experience something, the less curious we become. It's it is counterintuitive. And I think what you said so important is that that as as we go in longer into our careers and and we get the roles of leadership, it's actually the percentage of listening should go up, not down. It's as much as 80% of time is spent listening so that you can uncover the insights from your team that's out there collecting the the information so that you can really come to the best decisions. And the answers are within, but we have to know how to find them. And once again, we are told from a young age to listen. We are not taught. There are zero years of education in in our educational systems from grade school through executive leadership programs on listening. And only 2% of people have any kind of listening training. I'm a, I'm a prime example of that. So I, I have a master's undergrad in psychology and master's in psychology. I'm a certified structural family therapist from a world-renowned institution. Never had a course on listening. It was an assumed, was an assumed skill. Well, and I sure hope that therapists know how to listen. <laughs> That's kind of part of the job, right? Well, it is. And so, and, and certainly, you know, depending on the program, there's, there's different aspects, but it was interesting. We were at a client not that long ago. And I also, I asked people, how many of you've had listening training? And when it comes back to it, it's, it's maybe a few hours or a half a day, if, if that, but a social worker, a previous, uh, a reformed social worker, she was now working in a different field said, I've, I was trained on listening. And when I unpacked it with her, she goes, come to think of it, they didn't teach me to listen. They just expected me to do it. And inherently, she was probably better than most. And some of the training you get is a byproduct of it. But to really understand how to do it from a skill level is not something that's taught uh, very well, in my opinion, and, and certainly not often enough. Yeah. And, and I mentioned in your bio, as I was reading that, you know, there's, there's different really positive things that come from listening. It it transforms how we connect with other people. It increases our level of influence. Uh, It it allows us to develop empathy, uh, which is an essential leadership competency and capability in the modern world. Um, And so I think the benefits are clear. And I think most people would say, yeah, I need to listen. And it's important for leaders to listen. So the gap between people acknowledging what's important versus what they do or knowing how to do it is, is a, it's huge. It's a huge chasm. And mm-hmm. I'm wondering how we go about bridging that. So that's the gap that, that I really set out to, to close is the how. So I think people, and anecdotally, I've asked people around the world, is listening important? And nobody has not raised their hand on that one. 
maybe in part because they just don't want to be the person that didn't raise their hand, but mostly because we inherently know how important it is, right? And we even know sometimes what to do. You've said a few things like be curious or ask really good questions or, but what is a really good question? And and how do we even know what that is? Because again, we're not taught. And by the way, questions can interfere with listening, not the other way around. They can be very disruptive to listening. So so that gap, closing that gap is what what um what I've set out to do. And and the other benefit I want to add, because there's a lot of the the benefits like you're describing in terms of connection and trust and those things. And and while they're very results oriented, they also can feel intangible to a lot of people because we're not all wired to see those as, as the, the first step towards the tangible result. So just for, for your listeners, one of the, the biggest things that listening does is it helps you solve problems. And it helps you solve them more quickly, more efficiently, and most importantly, that you solve the right problem and not just a problem. So the more aware you are of what it means to really listen differently, the more you're aware that there's a lot of problems that are being solved that aren't the right problem. You know, the statistics get thrown around about change initiatives, for example, and how often they fail. Um, you know, common percentages are 70, 80 plus percent of change initiatives fail. And why is that? Um, I mean, there's a, a myriad of reasons, but a lot of it comes down to oftentimes organizations spend a lot of time and energy on symptoms, not root causes, right? right? And not not the actual problems. And so they'll put all this effort into something and then it doesn't move the needle because right. they weren't they weren't doing the right thing. Uh and and so how do you uncover that? It takes time and it takes uh, you know, in in some cases it takes a, a really decent amount of of effort um to to dig down and continue to, to never assume that we've reached the root, but to keep asking that so what now what kind of questions, you know, mm-hmm. to, to dig deeper. Um, and, you know, that's honestly not how the business world tends to work. Like we want to drive solutions quickly. And so what ends up happening is instead of taking that systematic, a systematic holistic approach to trying to really understand the problem, we just jump to solution mm-hmm. and we jump to solution that turns out to be the wrong solution. It doesn't actually solve anything. And, and so that's one of the major reasons why change initiatives so often fail. So how do we how do we uh, battle that? We listen more. We talk to more people. We pay attention. We, you know, you can do things like surveys and focus groups and and all sorts of things. But you need to listen and you need to pay attention to what you're hearing from people and not just try to assert your agenda, um, but really pay attention. And that's that's hard. I, I remember years ago I was doing a consulting project with a company. They were having a really hard time uh, with with turnover. I mean, turnover in, in their industry was not uncommon. It was a little bit higher than some other industries, but their business in comparison to competitors was way higher. So they had some major issues that they needed to address. Uh, and so I was sitting down with the executive team. We're talking about, you know, what some of our approaches could be as we're trying to really understand what's going on here. And they kept, you know, I kept on talking about, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a, social scientist. I'm a professor. Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, I do academic research. I understand that I can't do academic research in a corporate setting. I understand that, you know, their, their patience for like the level of what I would like to do, you know, may not be the same as what I would do in an academic setting. So I get that, but they kept on pushing and pushing. And I'm like, no, garbage data in garbage results out. Like we, we got to find the real problems. Mm -hmm. And, and finally I'm like, well, if you want to do a quick and dirty 
survey or something, we can do that, but I'm not so sure it's going to really tell you much of anything worthwhile. And they, they turned to me and they said, no, we're not going to do a quick and dirty one. We're going to do a quick and quality one. Mm. I'm like, well, you can, you can change the term, but it's still the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> like that's they right. wanted to, they wanted to be able to claim that, no, we're going to do it quick and cheap and it's going to be just as good as like a thorough in-depth one that we take more time on. I'm like, that's just not the way it works. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and we ended up compromising somewhere in the middle and we got some good insights, but there were lots of pieces that weren't there um, that, that I really felt like needed to be. And that's, that's the constant challenge. The battle. Right? Yeah. That's and the battle. It is a challenge. So, and, and again, I, I try to empathize with people that are solving and, and throwing solutions at things because that's what we're trained to do. And that's also what we're trained that brings value. So you're bringing value. What is it? What does Boston say? Don't just come to me with questions. Come to me with how you think it should be fixed. Well, we're include. We're we're really encouraging solutions as the as the holy grail of what what makes you good, and in, instead of looking at what those root causes are. I, we work with different IT organizations, and there was a gentleman that used to be the the CIO of Rollins, and he said when he learned about the listening path I was doing a keynote, he said, "Wow." He goes, "We're." We're not trained to ask to get to root cause. We're we're trained to get, you know to to deliver what's asked for, not what is needed. And we're not trained how to really uncover what the real needs are. We know we're supposed to find the needs, but how to do that is a whole different matter. And as I said, questions can really interfere with with listening well. So so we're kind of in this this kind of circular path. And and another another objection, if you will, to listening, and, and I'd be interested to hear if you hear this, is that people say, and leaders say, we don't have that kind of time. I don't, I don't, and it, it's fair because we're in back-to-back meetings and whether, you know, the pandemic made this even worse because of the, the Zoom availability, we just go from one meeting to the next. And if we don't get to it quickly, then our time is up. And so that's also one of the, the fears is if this is going to take too long. So that's also why we rush the solution. So I call it a slow down to speed up. You slow down a little bit on the front end to get to the right solution much faster. And, and I believe, and I, and I think we've proven that the way we we're transforming listening means that you not only get more effective at it, but you get more efficient at it. You can get to those things much more quickly if you're shown how, like I would say I can throw a football and so can Tom Brady, but he probably does a little bit better. (laughs) (laughs) So show me how you do, you do that. Well, he has both the proficiency and the efficiency in his, his ability. So that's what we focus on is creating proficiency and efficiency. It made me think of an organization I was doing some work with uh, a few years back. And they had a new CEO. So the CEO did what many new executives will do. And they'll, they'll go in and they'll do a listening tour. And that's what she called it, a listening tour. In principle, like, yeah, I love the idea. Go around, talk to people, get the lay of the land, understand what's happening. The problem was in this situation, as I've seen it in many, many other situations, is there wasn't actually much listening going on at all. It was, it was all a facade. And so it was kind of this, this uh, performative thing that, that they would go around. They got to meet people and, and learn a little bit about the organization. Um, But 
it had more to do with them sharing their vision moving forward mm -hmm. than trying to listen and learn about what's been working, what hasn't been working in the organization leading up to that point. Uh, and so most people got jaded and frustrated by that, you know, yeah. and they, they experienced that and they're just like, well, now we see, you know, what kind of person we're working with and we'll do the best we can to navigate, um, you know, this kind of a situation. And, and, and so just because we put the words on it, doesn't, it, you know, our actions speak louder than words, I guess is what I'm saying. The words themselves don't matter. And so I can call it a listening tour uh, all I want, but then I actually have to go listen. I actually have to go pay close attention uh, and be willing to, you know, disrupt my preconceived notions. Uh, one, right. one thing I, I, I've, I've had experience, you know, with, with various executives, I'm thinking of one in particular who is just so frustrating, like a really good person, sincere person, no malice, you know, there, I don't, I don't, I'm not assuming any bad intentions at all, but the person just like multiple meetings where they would be told and explained things to them very clearly and succinctly. And they just weren't listening. They just couldn't mm -hmm. get it. Like, and they're a very smart person. Mm -hmm. um, and, and they just had their own kind of point of view and, and nothing was going to change that. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and that's the situation, especially when you're in higher levels of leadership with position power um, in a hierarchical system that you can actually do some pretty severe damage to the organization. Huge, huge damage, huge. And, and so I even, I really you know, appreciate the story about the, the listening tour, because I imagine that there was an incredible intention behind and that, they genuinely believed they were going out and listening. That's, that's what's really kind of frustrating and sad to me is that here's the right effort, the right intent, and maybe even, you know, so close to the right approach. But it just so happens, I'm from the Philly area. I'm in Cleveland today because I'm here with a, a, a company, a med tech company, and I'm working with some surgeons. And, um, you know, you wouldn't send me into surgery without teaching me how to do it. <laughs> But because I know that the patient's life is at risk, if you sent me into the, the OR, there's grave consequences. When it comes to listening, because we're told to listen and it's just expected, I think there's some sense of we already know how to do it. And so we don't see that, that there's somebody laying on the table and that life is in our hands when we're listening. I, I liken this to more like death by a thousand cuts than to one cut. So the injuries happen repeatedly and then till, till somebody's bleeding out, but somebody's still bleeding out. And so I think that's, that's where there's a, an assumption of, I can do this because of course I'll listen because I go in with the intention of listening. And, and that's where this is a need to have and not a nice to have to learn how to listen in a more profound and different and transformational way, because we're, we're not taught, we're told. Yeah. And, and I will say, I, I really do appreciate it when people have good intentions, uh, when people are sincere, that means a lot to me. And I'm, I'm willing to be very patient with people who are making the effort and who have sincerity um, behind them. But intention it's doesn't, it's not enough. And intention doesn't necessarily mean much of anything when it comes to, you know, where the rubber meets the road and what's actually the impacts of what you do and say on the, your team and your organization. Absolutely. So, Impact I mean, over you, intention. Absolutely. I mean, isn't that what the basis of harassment started back you know, about decades true. ago, right? Yeah. It's like, I, I used to do a lot of that training and if it was the, look, most of the, the highest percentages, it's not, the emperor didn't know any, so to speak, he didn't have any clothes on, not because the intention was really 
as, as much. That, that's a much lower percentage of time. It's just that we're all dumb, right? We don't know or <laughs> we don't know what impact we have unless we're aware of it. And so this is, this is where, you know, one of the things that, that in, in my work over the years is getting people to want to pay attention to this and understand that they shouldn't be doing surgery without being trained. And so I think that, the, and that's also why I titled my book, What Is It Costing You Not to Listen? Because you can't solve a problem you don't know you have. So, uh, so we all have the problem. We're all failing to listen because we're not told, uh, pardon me, we're not taught, and because the brain is a huge enemy of listening. So you have no experiences, you have no training, and then our brains are telling us to do everything but listen. And so we are set up for failure. And without and listening is truly a skill. And so if you are not equipped with the tools to enact the skill, you're going to fail. Even with your positive intention, even with the right, you know, questions going into a listening tour, the brain will take over and it won't work. So that's yeah, and why not we, not only the hardwiring in our brain, but also societal norms and culture absolutely <laughs> so on both on both fronts it's it's something we, we have to just be very very purposeful and attentive to mm-hmm. and we can get better at it we can get more efficient at it as you mentioned um, Ab- but, absolutely but, uh, i have a client uh, say i every time i do this it works as long as i remember right yeah and and that's just time on task right that's time on task yeah well, Christine, this has just been a really fun conversation. I note the time. I'm going to have to let you go here in just a few minutes. Um, but before we wrap things up for today, I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, your team, where they can find your book, and then give us a final word on the topic for today. Sure, sure. Well, I appreciate being here. It's been fun. Boy, the time really does fly. Uh, yeah, so what I want to say is, look, there's there's more than hope out there. There's there's the how. And one of the things that, um, that we do is really we enable people the organizations with the how we there's six tools on the listening path that will transform how you listen i'll say it's simple not always easy because it does take time on task but this is simple and 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 we've been able to arm organizations and give them that common language and, and the way we do that is we train organizations to do that via workshops um, if you want the handbook the guide it's really it's, it's the book what is it costing you not to listen which is about the tools on the listening path so that you can start get started just with that. And you can certainly find me and my team at equip that's E-Q-U-I-P-P dash people.com. Wonderful. Thank you, Christine. It's been a real pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Christine and her team can do for you. I hope we can all listen better. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope we all have a great week. If you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page, and please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.